The basis of this work is research done over a 20-year period involving millions of calibrations on thousands of test subjects of all ages and personality types from all walks of life. By design, the study is clinical in method and thus has widespread pragmatic implications because this testing method is valid in application to all forms of human expression. Calibrations have been successfully taken for literature, architecture, art, science, world events, and the complexity of human relationships. The test space for the determination of the data is the totality of the human experience throughout all of time. Mentally, test subjects range from what the world calls normal to severely ill psychiatric patients. Subjects were tested in Canada, the United States, Mexico, and throughout South America and Northern Europe. They were of all nationalities, ethnic backgrounds, and religions, ranging in age from children to elders in their 90s, and covered a wide spectrum of physical and emotional health. Subjects were tested individually and in groups by many different testers and groups of testers. In general, the results were identical and reproducible, fulfilling the fundamental requirement of the scientific method, perfect experimental replicability. Subjects were selected at random and tested in a wide array of physical and behavioral settings, on top of mountains and at the seashore, at holiday parties and during the course of everyday work, in moments of joy and moments of sorrow. None of these circumstances affected the test results, which were found to be universally consistent, irrespective of extraneous factors, with the exception of the methodology of the testing procedure itself. And because of the significance of this factor, the testing method will be described in some detail below. Historical Background In 1971, Three physiotherapists published a definitive study on muscle testing, and Dr. George Goodhart of Detroit, Michigan, studied muscle testing techniques extensively in his clinical practice and made the breakthrough discovery that the strength or weakness of every muscle was connected to the health or pathology of a specific corresponding body organ. He further determined that each individual muscle was associated with an acupuncture meridian and correlated his work with that of the physician Felix Mann on the medical significance of the acupuncture meridians. By 1976, Goodhart's book on applied kinesiology had reached its 12th edition. He began to teach the technique to his colleagues and also published monthly research tapes. His work was rapidly picked up by others, which led to the formation of the International College of Kinesiology many members of which also belong to the Academy of Preventive Medicine. A thorough exposition of the development of the field was detailed by David Walther in his extensive volume on applied kinesiology, also published in 1976. The most striking finding of kinesiology initially was a clear demonstration that muscles instantly became weak when the body is exposed to harmful stimuli. For instance, if a patient with hypoglycemia put sugar on his tongue. On muscle testing, the deltoid muscle, which is the one usually used as an indicator muscle, instantly went weak. Accordingly, it was discovered that substances which were therapeutic to the body made the muscles instantly become strong. Because the weakness of any particular muscle indicated the presence of a pathologic process in its corresponding organ, corroborated by diagnosis through acupuncture and physical or laboratory examination, 
It was a highly useful clinical tool to detect disease. Thousands of practitioners began to use the method, and data rapidly accumulated, showing kinesiology to be an important and reliable diagnostic technique which could accurately monitor a patient's response to treatment as well as diagnosis. The technique found widespread acceptance among professionals from many disciplines, and although it never caught on in mainstream medicine, it was used extensively by holistically oriented physicians. One of these was Dr. John Diamond, a psychiatrist who began to use kinesiology in diagnosing and treating psychiatric patients. He labeled this extended use of kinesiology as behavioral kinesiology. While other investigators were researching the usefulness of the method in detecting allergies, nutritional and other disorders, and response to medication, Dr. Diamond used the technique to research the beneficial or adverse effects of a great variety of sensory and psychological stimuli, such as art forms, music, facial expression, voice modulation, and emotional stress. He was an excellent teacher, and his seminars attracted thousands of professionals who returned to their own practices with renewed interest and curiosity as they explored applications of the technique. In addition to its inclusive applicability, the test was quick, simple, easy to perform, and highly decisive. All researchers confirmed the replicability of test results. For example, an artificial sweetener made every subject test weak, whether placed on the tongue, held in its package adjacent to the solar plexus, or hidden in a plain envelope, the contents of which neither the tester nor the subject knew. That the body responded even when the mind was naive was most impressive. Most practitioners did their own verification research, placing various substances in plain numbered envelopes and having a naive second person test a third. The overwhelming conclusion was that the body would indeed respond accurately even when the conscious mind was unaware. The reliability of the testing experience never ceased to amaze the public and patients, and for that matter, the practitioners themselves. When this author was on the lecture circuit, for instance, in audiences of 1,000 people, 500 envelopes containing artificial sweetener would be passed out to the audience, along with 500 identical envelopes containing organic vitamin C. The audience would be divided up and would alternate testing each other. When the envelopes were opened, the audience reaction was always one of amazement and delight. When they saw that all had gone weak in response to the artificial sweetener and strong in response to the organic vitamin C. The nutritional habits of thousands of families across the country were changed by this simple demonstration. In the early 1970s, the medical profession in general, and psychiatry in particular, was highly resistant, if not forthrightly hostile, to the idea that nutrition had much to do with health at all, let alone emotional health or brain function. Publication of the book Orthomolecular Psychiatry by this author and Nobelist Linus Pauling received a favorable reception from a wide variety of audiences, but not from the basic medical establishment itself. Interestingly enough, 20 years later, the concepts presented in the book are now fundamental to current treatment of mental illness. The thrust of the book was that mental illness, such as psychosis, as well as lesser ones, such as emotional disorders, had a genetic basis involving an abnormal biochemical pathway in the brain, a molecular basis which could be corrected on the molecular level, 
Manic depressive illness, schizophrenia, alcoholism, depression, and others, therefore, could be affected by nutrition as well as medication. In 1973, when the book was published, the psychiatric establishment was still psychoanalytically oriented, and the work was accepted primarily by holistic practitioners. The suggested treatment methods and results were frequently verified with kinesiology. However, it was Dr. Diamond's demonstration that the body instantly went weak in response to unhealthy emotional attitudes or mental stresses, which had the greatest ongoing clinical influence. His refinement of the muscle testing technique, the one used by most practitioners, was used in this study over a period of 20 years. It was universally observed by practitioners and researchers as well as this author that test responses were completely independent of the test subject's belief systems, intellectual opinions, reason, or logic. It was also observed that a test response where the subject went weak was accompanied by desynchronization of the cerebral hemispheres. The testing technique. Two persons are required. One acts as test subject by holding out one arm laterally parallel to the ground. The second person then presses down with two fingers on the wrist of the extended arm and says, resist. The subject then resists the downward pressure with all their strength. That is all there is to it. A statement may be made by either party. While the subject holds it in mind, his arm's strength is tested by the tester's downward pressure. If the statement is negative or false or reflects a calibration below 200, the test subject will go weak. If the answer is yes or calibrates over 200, they will go strong. To demonstrate the procedure, one might have the subject hold an image of Abraham Lincoln in mind while being tested and then for contrast, an image of Adolf Hitler. The same effect can be demonstrated by holding in mind someone who is loved, in contrast to someone who is feared or hated, or about whom there is some strong regret.